Welcome to the Wanting It More podcast. I'm Jana Denton House, and I specialize in helping women who are married to men want and enjoy intimacy more. So if you've ever felt like it was a chore, even though you really love your husband, you are not alone, and this is the show for you. Join me as I have open and honest conversations about sex, marriage, and everything else in the bedroom. I promise to never tell you to just do it, spice things up, or buy some lingerie. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome back to the Wanting It More podcast. This conversation is probably going to be a little intense. So if you have little ones nearby, basically all the episodes are like this. So you should always have earbuds unless you want to spark a very open and honest conversation with your children or your teenagers or your husband, which I think both of us here would recommend sometime in the future. Today's conversation is going to be about pornography and it's going to get real and honest. And I'm so glad we're having this conversation because it's a conversation that just needs to happen more. So joining me today is my friend and colleague and uh, participant of Wanting It More, just like most of my guests are. And she is very well trained. Um, we are keeping her as anonymous as possible. So we'll see what she's comfortable sharing with you. Um, but um, here we are with Sherry, and I'm going to just let you have the floor to share um, your introduction. Okay. Well, hello. Um, as Jana had mentioned, I am a participant of WIM. Um, I did WIM a couple years ago and uh, kind of I guess when I when I started WIM, um, the the issue for me was I thought there was something wrong with me, um, and uh, you know that I had low libido or low sexual desire, and so um, in the course of of going through the program, I learned that my husband had a pornography addiction, and I had been um, pretty unaware of it. Uh, I knew sort of when we met um, that he had 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 used pornography and that he didn't want to and um, and then sort of early in our marriage uh, it had sort of resurfaced again but my understanding was that he wasn't using it anymore. I did it wasn't even on my radar that it was a thing. Um, and so when I found out, uh, it sort of just um, kind of blew my world apart and also um, really uh, highlighted the issues we were having um, that were much more than just about me having a low libido. So it really shone a light on, um, on so many issues that we were having. So um, yeah, that's about me. Uh, at the time when I did WIM, I'd been married 18 years, um, so now just over 20, and I have two kids. Um, yeah. Yeah, as some people know, but probably not a ton, because this is the first time I'm going to be sharing my experience as well. I also had a shock discovery, um, a little bit different than your story, because I didn't know it all. 
that it was an issue for my husband until we had been married uh, 15 years. And then I asked, and he did have the courage to tell me the truth. And that's something that I think is part of the conversation as well, is that this is really not something that anybody should be struggling with. And I think both you and I share that feeling that it's not about somebody being bad and we're just these oh, like saints in our relationship, but that it is an unfortunate thing that has been made freely available to anyone who has an internet connection. And even then you could probably find something. So what was that like for you when you found out the second time and like what emotions did you experience? What conversations did you have with him? How was you, just what what went on in those early days? Uh well, at that point, I think it had been um, probably about fifteen years since kind of like early days in our marriage when I knew he'd been using. So it was it wasn't even something that I considered <laughs> that he was doing because. Um, I guess to even just back up a little bit, like I was, I considered myself to be um, a feminist and he did too. And, and part of um, what we sort of based our relationship around was equality and equity. And um, I also know that uh, the issue of pornography is not something that all feminists agree on, but for me, um, because I had done work with women who were exploited and and he had actually done some of that work with me too in our in our younger um years I just I had this really visceral kind of reaction and understanding um I always I guess and also because of some you know trauma from my past that I I could identify with women in pornography and I could see um the unhappiness and um so I think it felt like not um it felt like a betrayal of of what our value system was um what I understood about how he um thought about women and respected women so yeah it was I think talking about kind of the the values that we yeah that we had that I thought were really foundational to our relationship and who he was. And so, um, so that was a big part of the shock for me was there was, you know, betrayal on a personal level, but also just um, the sort of like, who, who are you? Um, do I, do I know who you are? Like, this is not the person I married. And yet it also highlighted for me because I had seen him changing over time and I couldn't figure out why. Um, and I think one of the things that I had kind of, I guess, come to believe, I just sort of become uh, kind of demoralized about um, equality in marriage. And I, I saw um, most of the women around me experiencing similar issues with their husband and husbands, I should say. So, you know, going into marriage, I kind of had this, like, we're going to be different. I had these ideals 
Um, and it was like, well, I guess that didn't work. I guess it's not possible. Um, but realizing how much pornography was influencing his behavior, um, it, it, uh, yeah, it, it all of a sudden made a lot of sense. <laughs> um, everything made sense in a moment and, uh, yeah. yeah. I experienced such a similar feeling of almost like just the fog lifted the veils were removed mm-hmm. and I was angry oh yes yeah Are you, did you feel that too incredibly so yeah um less so at the beginning um I think like the very initial I was angry um but then you know, I felt some sympathy, I think, for him. Um, he was really sort of broken. And there was a, a quite a immediate change in him when things when it all came out. And so, um, yeah, there was anger at the beginning. But I'd say a couple months down the road, there was a further disclosure um, of of more behaviors that he had been involved in uh, going to strip clubs and, and lap dances. And um, that brought it to a different level for me. And, and I think also because I felt like we had moved forward with trust, I thought I knew everything. Um, and yeah, I was incredibly angry with him at that point. Um, yeah. And in fact, uh, I know he was, <laughs> I, I ended up getting a call from his therapist um, because he didn't know what to do about how angry I was. And, uh, and that was, that ended up being a good thing. But mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, that is a really difficult thing when the disclosure isn't all at once. Mm-hmm. In my situation, it wasn't either, but it, happened over a week mm-hmm. yeah but it still sort of created that lack of trust because okay. it would be okay he, I'm gonna you know I, I watch it very infrequently and it's all very regular kind of stuff and once in a while and then the next day it was actually the truth is it's more like once a day and then the next day after that was actually it's webcams and you know chat rooms and there were some other disclosures I'm not sure if I'm fully yet ready to share publicly but there was just more and more and he even described it like he had forgotten or the more truth he told me the more aware he was of the behaviors that he had done Mm-hmm. does that make any sense to you it it does because I think they're in a fog and I know one of the things that um that I did for intensely for months afterwards was I was like listening to every podcast I could find and and you know um reading books and listening to audiobooks and I I found a couple really good um like healing podcasts around pornography and I and I could see um like this 
delayed disclosure is very, very common. Um, and, and it helped me to like, be able to normalize, like, these are parts of the addiction and how things go rather than like, this person is hiding things from me. And uh, so, yeah, the disclosure was very much just like, yeah, it's once in a while, not very often. And, and the same kind of thing over, you know, that week was like, once, once I knew um, fully that it was like multiple times a day and it was like, you know, hours at work when I thought he was working late and, you know, um, it, so there was also like the, the betrayal aspect of like financially we were struggling and I thought he was working late hours trying to, and, and yet there was never any more money and like, it didn't make any sense. Um, so there's, it, it bleeds into so many other areas, but it was very clearly like very addictive for him um, and was how he was dealing with stress in his work um, and in our, in our home life too. So um, yeah. I don't know if I got off track there, but definitely that delayed disclosure is very common. It's my understanding. And the fog piece too, because that later disclosure actually just came out, like he just said it matter of fact, as though I knew it and he couldn't believe that I didn't know it. And I said, like, absolutely. I would have remembered this, like, um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I think they they don't even it's just part of the addiction is the the um, the damage to their brains. <laughs> They're not thinking straight at all. No. And I remember as John was telling me more and more, it was almost I don't want to say giddy about it, but there was definitely a level of relief that he was experiencing. And that makes a lot of sense. I mean, they're holding onto lies for a really long time. And yeah. sometimes it's a daily sort of fudging of the truth, what mm -hmm. they're up to, what they're doing. For us, we would be in lots of counseling sessions and coaching where we were very much discussing in detail our sex life and all of my problems. And there was ample opportunity for things to be brought up. And I remember feeling a little bit like it's still unfair that right now you're experiencing this level of relief. And I, on the other hand, am just thrown into a whirlwind of what is my life? What is my marriage? Like you mentioned, who are you? Yeah. Same with my husband. I would definitely say that he's a feminist. Um, I mean, when he was just in his early twenties, I don't know if you know Lilith Fair. Well, you're, oh yes, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so, very like feminist sort of music festival. And he went to Lilith Fair with a T-shirt that said "Wake Up to Equality." And yes. that's the interesting part to me. And you mentioned this already: is that there really is there seems to be and I see this as a pattern a disconnect between values and this behavior mm -hmm. have you thought much about how that happens uh, in the brain how that's 
even possible for someone to do? Yeah, um, 100%. Like, I think that that's actually a part of why um, it becomes so addictive is because there's so much shame and secrecy around a behavior that um, they that goes against their own value system, right? And so um, I think uh, my what I know is that a lot of um, men who are raised in very sort of fundamentalist religious circles where, um, you know, there's a lot of, um, you know, purity culture and, and sexual shaming struggle with pornography use. Um, and, and I think I know that it very much is because uh, they can't talk about it. Um, and so when something is secret and it feels good and you can't talk about it and there's so much shame involved, it just, uh, it creates this sort of disconnect. And I think um, men in particular are better at compartmentalizing things. Um, I, you know, it's something I just couldn't sort of wrap my head around. And I, I, in the beginning kept asking him like, how, you know, how could you be doing that and then come home and act like, you know, nothing happened. Like, how are you, you know, on a work trip and I'm, you know, at home with a baby and you're at strip clubs and I think you're working late, um, you know, and <laughs> how, how do you not feel so racked with guilt, you know? Um, yeah. I don't know if that answered the question fully, but what what have you <laughs> come up with on that? Yeah, well, I think the secrecy part is so big. Mm -mm. I definitely see that in religious settings. My husband wasn't raised in any sort of strict religion or even with much religion at all. But I think just men don't talk about this it's not he, he hadn't told anybody which is so interesting to me because it's so socially acceptable boys will be boys yeah it's so I mean the the main sites that you would go to to watch porn are some of the largest websites on the internet mm -hmm. it's incredibly um I almost want to say normalized in our culture. I'm sure actually there's a lot of women listening to this conversation thinking, what's the big deal? And certainly we've heard a lot of women go through wanting it more and saying the same thing. And then actually I was thinking, gosh, I, maybe this is a little bit, um, this is a, a sort of more of a nuanced, deep conversation. So I think probably before I air this episode, I'll do uh just more of like a fact facts around porn and why it would be important to look at that especially if you're struggling with low libido yeah yeah well and I think I can there's a couple things there that that highlights for me too um, I mean one thing I'll say is um I know that my husband's experience was actually quite different in that um he was in a work environment where they were freely like um, handing out magazines. And, and so he, um, from what he said to me, like he felt sort of um, 
pressured like there was there was pure pressure to go to strip clubs in the evening and um yeah and <laughs> they were sharing their magazines and so um yeah it's interesting there's two very different experiences there um that's shocking yeah um yeah i had a lot of anger actually towards uh the the work environment <laughs> that um you know that's there's an abuse of power there when when your boss is uh expecting that the crew is going to go out to a strip club after and but aside from that um talking about effects of pornography because that's that's the like the piece for me in um you know there was so many red flags going on for me as it impacted on my um sexual desire where you know there was things he was wanting to do that didn't make a lot of sense like over time I felt him being more and more disconnected from me um, during the sexual experience and and eventually like when things really came to a head um, he wasn't able to have an erection and so here I am with this you know like fairly relatively young partner who can't get an erection and I'm thinking wow there's really something wrong with me um like meanwhile he he he's you know basically done this to his own body from you know um masturbating to pornography multiple times a day and only you know there's this increase in the types of material that they're using so they can only get turned on by um, more extreme things. And, and so there's a real pattern of addiction that happens, but if you don't know that's going on with your partner, all you can see is that, well, obviously, you know, I'm not good enough, um, not turning him on and, uh, and he wasn't disagreeing with that. <laughs> so it just feeds, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. It's so, I don't even want to say shocking that we do this as women. It's so natural and normal that we do this as women because of cultural conditioning. Our partners have issues with a body part and we blame ourselves. Mm -hmm. Isn't mm -hmm. that wild? Yeah, so wild. Yeah. Yeah, it's just so incredibly ingrained that, you know, anything's going on around me, it must have to do with me. <laughs> it's my fault, you know. Yeah, our experience was that he would need, which I thought was normal because that was my whole relationship, just a lot of stimulation. Yes. So it would have to be pretty, you know, penetrative sex had to be pretty aggressive and fast. He yeah. couldn't feel any subtle feelings. So, uh -huh. well, I could get a lot of pleasure just from him running his hand on my shoulder, for example, it was almost like his body was numb to those types of more subtle sensations. Did you, is, you're nodding your head. Is that your, your hundred yeah, percent? Yeah. And like, yeah, the sex became more aggressive and like, um, and, and for him, I like I know that he sort of trained himself to extend his, his, orgasm and so then for me it was this uncomfortable experience of like how long is this going to take right. um and 
yeah, it's so, it, it has real like physical impacts. Um, Absolutely. And have you noticed a shift in his ability to feel different types of pleasure to maintain an erection? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that changed pretty quickly in the, the first few months, I would say. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of where, where I can, um, yeah, like the, the erection piece, sometimes there's still some issues, but nothing like it was. Um, but he's also, um, learning to, to, yeah, those more subtle sort of sensations. Um, in fact, like as we have sort of progressed in our journey and our healing, um, because I'm leading the sexual experience, um, he's, he's sort of learning that he likes these other things that he didn't even really consider, like they weren't part of his repertoire. And even, you know, it's not penetrative sex, it's just lying and being close and, you know, feeling sensations. It's, um, yeah, yeah, those things, like he would have said like that they weren't they weren't yeah he didn't even realize it was happening it's like you never touch me well yeah I do but (laughs) not touching your penis like but that was the only thing that that really resonated I guess at that point yeah and you can see how quickly that would lead to a lot of pressure and sort of maybe unintentional manipulative behavior or words Uh, I hear a lot of men who are porn affected that uh, I hear from their wives that they say things like, well, that position doesn't feel good for me, or this isn't intense enough. I'm not having a good time. Um, Well, if you would just X, Y, Z, then I'd be satisfied. And it's so difficult because you're not working with a healthy system and you can you really even negotiate with a system that is so out of whack when it comes to sensation and desires mm. and curiosities yeah sometimes I hear women say well my husband just has a really high sex drive or my husband really just likes a lot of kink or my husband and sure that you know, absolutely, people have different preferences, 100%. And also, it's really difficult, because I know I've seen, I've witnessed not only in my own marriage, but in so many other marriages that you're not actually dealing with the truth of the situation. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we used to have this very cyclical argument around sex, which which centered around um, me not um, not responding in the ways that he wanted me to. Um, and and I remember saying, like, you want me to respond like women in movies do, um, or like a porn star. I, re- I remember saying that, not thinking that he was, you know, using pornography. And, and he would disagree with me but that's what it came down to always is like he wanted me to respond in these certain sort of scripted ways that he had learned that that women respond 
Um, and when you're watching that over and over again, how do you not expect that your partner responds in those ways? Uh, yeah, so. I remember being in the shower with John once and I don't enjoy showers much with him. It's not something, but I was in there because I was being a good wife and it's something he wanted. And I remember just rubbing his back because I knew he'd like it and I'm sort of doing my duty. Yeah, I remember him saying, you're just not rubbing it passionately enough. Mm-hmm. Like I, could, I can't feel it, Jana. And that is, oh my gosh, changed so dramatically. <laughs> yeah, so there seems to be this aspect of not only them stop watching porn and getting support and figuring out what to do with this. Uh, Well, in our case, it was this heightened need for orgasm that was sort of artificially created by the frequent masturbation that there's that healing to do. But for me, I also had to heal a lot. I had to reclaim my pleasure. I had to come home to myself. I had to create lots of boundaries. There was just so much healing. And I heard you say that earlier. Did you want to just share a little bit more about what that process of healing was like for you? Yeah. So, I mean, for me, um, a a big part of it was, um, I think community. Um, so, I mean, first of all, I had to, um, like I said, I had to listen to every possible thing around, you know, sex addiction, porn addiction that I could get my hands on, um, just to get a real full understanding of it. Um, one of the, I think the hardest parts, um, of, of, uh, living with a partner with a sex addiction, um, is, is that all of a sudden you have this shameful secret, um, you know, that you can't, share with people um you know if and and I did like in those early days um kind of like try and figure out who I could talk to about it and and there are certain people who are safe but I think the vast majority of people they think well like what's the big deal they're using porn like or or this is just you know addiction is just an excuse for bad behavior and and so there's there's all of a sudden now I have this secret that I'm trying to figure out to navigate who can I talk to about it. Um, And for me, I'm not a person who carries secrets around. It's like, it's just, um, I need to get them out. And so now um, what do I do with that? Because it's not always safe. And so uh, having a community, especially um, with women and with warriors is, is a, was a big part of the healing for me because I, I had, um, women and yourself who was like, we know the story, we all get it. We understand it's like this immediate sort of safe place. Um, but I also like, I needed for him to change and I needed for him to, um, to work hard and prove his trustworthiness. And so, um, you know, a lot of healing came with him doing his work and, and he, to his credit, has worked very hard on it. Um, immediately, 
you know, and this is one play, one way I guess that I felt very fortunate um, because the disclosure happened at a time and he sort of had this immediate visceral realization that, oh, wait a second, I'm the problem. <laughs> um, and so, you know, right from the start, he, he implemented things for himself. Um, he stopped bringing his phone into the bedroom and the bathroom. You know, he set up um, uh, sort of a monitoring on his, on his devices so that it would monitor um, the material that he was using. Uh, he started right away working with a counselor. Um, he, yeah, so there was, there was those sort of behavioral changes, but more it was the change in how he treated me. Um, it was suddenly this, um, well, not suddenly, it, it sort of slowly developed over time, but of him like seeing me, hearing me, listening to me, um, valuing what I was saying, um, that I could see that there was actual real changes because um, there's, you know, you can change on the outside. And I, I think, you know, what comes to mind is that like term, like a dry drunk, right? Like someone who stops their behavior, but they don't really do the internal changes. Um, and I needed to see the internal changes um, because it wasn't just the betrayal and the pornography. Um, he was also not treating me well. And um, yeah, there was so much gaslighting and defensiveness that I, for the life of me, couldn't figure out where, where it was coming from. Um, so that, that behavior needed to stop. Um, and it's still, you know, there's still moments in time where, where the defensiveness happens, but I, I'm stronger in myself now to be able to say, no, you're being defensive, you're gaslighting. And I know what the truth is. And it's not causing me to go into a spiral uh, as much as it did in the past, because I now know um, what I'm dealing with. Whereas before I, I just had no idea. Um, so healing, it has been very much a process of like, I'm healing, he's healing on his own. Um, our relationship is healing. You know, there's a three, three parts of it. Yeah. Wow. This is a big topic as we've been going through here. I'm just thinking this really could be a whole podcast topic for the whole, whole thing. And yeah. Yeah. That, you know, even just betrayal, uh, betrayal trauma, what it looks like to rebuild trust what betrayal does to your relationship. Um, like even just a small piece, I probably for about a year, it took me a good year of complete, uh, like no relapses. Thankfully, he didn't have any relapses. Um, I was pretty clear that our marriage is on the line. So there was a little bit of fire uh, to get things sorted really fast. But it did take a year for for me to sort of breathe a sigh of relief and stop asking almost, you know, weekly, if not daily in the beginning, how are you doing today? How are things? 
please let me know. Have you been watching porn? Are there any other secrets? Because uh, that sort of delayed disclosure, as you called it, was so, so difficult to handle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I think maybe we'll wrap it up here. Probably I'll ask you to come back for another conversation because I feel like if I was listening to this episode, I would have a lot of questions. So I may see if I can gather some of those questions from our listeners and see if we can uh, help some folks tackle this really, really common challenge. I think the stats are something between 73 to 93% of men watch porn. And uh, it just isn't seen as an issue very few people are investigating the impact it's having on their partners and it's very sidetracked by the debate around rights is it my personal right to access this content and use this content and very little conversation happening around the impact of those decisions on a relationship yeah yeah hundred percent. I, yeah, I would love to answer questions and tackle it more. So. Yeah. Just to close off, if there's somebody listening who is very much resonating with some of the signs that we have been talking about. So just to sort of recap, maybe you can help me um, difficulties with just the physical sensations, erection, uh, gaslighting and a lot of defensiveness, strange, unexplained behavior, like you mentioned with the late uh, late night working without any sort of anything to show for it. The uh, you know the asking for things that maybe are against your values as a couple, things to do in the bedroom. Uh, difficulties listening to boundaries sort of a an insistence or a pressure or pushing so there's probably a lot of women listening right now who are kind of checking checking off some boxes what would you say to that woman right now oh man <laughs> um I would say definitely um ask um ask and and expect that you may not get the full um, information at the outset because of um, there being so much shame around it. Um, I think also that there is a lot of hope in that, you know, all of these signs um, that you're seeing um, doesn't mean that, you know, that your partner has, um, you know, is, has some sort of, you know, how to, what I'm saying there, like that they're a terrible person who doesn't respect boundaries or rights and doesn't care about you. Um, addiction has real impacts on the brain. And um, if they are willing to get help and change, those behaviors fall away. And so that's not who they are. Um, it's part of the addiction. Yeah, I love that. That's a great place to end. I remember really thinking that I was dealing with two husbands around that time because I started to see, oh, that's the porn affected brain that I'm in 
interacting with now and ah I'm back with my husband now and did you experience that as well yeah yeah Yeah. at some point I I felt like oh like this is the person I married I remember you now like because and it had been a slow gradual thing like he just became someone who was unrecognizable to me um yeah yeah so there's so much hope and you're not alone and it 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 can be scary and it can be really confusing and also it doesn't have to be this big huge scary thing it can be something that you ask and you're going to receive a response and whatever response that you do get it doesn't mean anything about you your husband or your relationship uh, this is something that is workable is it difficult yeah it's difficult um so you're not alone if it feels difficult um but i really wish in those early days i had had somebody to say that to me that it doesn't have to be so big Um, just one step at a time. And thank you for joining us. Thank you so much, Sherry, for being here with me and grappling with these really nuanced and um, subtle aspects of the effects of porn in a relationship. You're welcome. Thanks for inviting me. Okay. All right. So thanks everyone for listening and stay tuned for perhaps some more conversations with Sherry in the future. Okay. Bye everyone. If you've enjoyed this episode, I have a favor to ask of you. It's really hard to get the word out about a podcast about sex. What would really, really help is if you would leave a rating and a review. And I know that you get asked this all the time in different podcasts, but please, I beg you, it would really, really help so that more women who need this message will hear it. All you have to do is go into your Apple podcast app. It's the purple icon. And if you go to the podcast page, where it shows my face and has a little button that says latest episodes. If you scroll down past the episodes and you get to a section called ratings and reviews, there's a little purple writing thing that says write a review. If you click on that, it will ask you to give it a five stars. Actually, you can put any stars, but five is what I would love. And put a title and then write your review. Thank you so much for supporting this little venture here and I really am so grateful. If you are curious about wanting it more and how this program could help you want and enjoy sex more with your husband and you feel like it may be a great next step for you, you can go to janetdentonhouse.com slash wanting it more to sign up for the waitlist, to learn more, and to see when we're running our next round. All right, that's it. I'll see you next one.